from economics to geopolitics. This is The Shady Economist. I'm your host, Alex Colalillo, an economist and risk advisor. Please join me and special guests on all things economics, international relations and more. I'm here to keep you informed, simplify complex economic theory and equip you with the tools to empower yourself and engage in intellectual debate. So, let's get started. Today's topic is Australia's response to the coronavirus. What are we doing about it? Well, to be honest, there's quite a bit to cover. I'm going to provide you with an overview of our current economic response mechanisms to combat this virus, and in the next few episodes, you'll find out how the economy has been affected as a result. So there's hype from media, family and friends about how this coronavirus is impacting our collective personal, emotional and economic well-being and what we're all doing about it. And I like to place these reactions into three key common categories. Number one, the hysterical, anxious-filled family member. For example, my Uncle Joe called me up the other day and said, Alex, do you know we're heading into a recession and we're all going to lose our jobs? So I wanted to reassure him that everything was going to be okay. But at the back of my mind, I was also low-key thinking, Uncle Joe, well, you're absolutely right, mate. Number two, Alex, I've just received a 20% pay cut. Okay, this one does suck and I very much sympathise with this situation. But if you do still have your job, you're doing better than most right now. Have you seen those lines outside Centrelink? Lastly, number three. Alex, the central bank is printing money. This is so awesome. Why haven't they done this before to solve all our other fiscal problems? Okay, there's actually quite a bit wrong with this statement. This shouldn't be a go-to, but I'll touch on the dynamics of this a little later. You're going to hear a lot about this sort of commentary over the next coming months about what the government is doing or what they should be doing. And this episode is going to help you make sense of it. So what are we doing about the fact that we've sort of shut down our entire economy and a lot of trade routes? Well, before we launch into it, there are a few pieces of economic jargon I need to get out of the way. So there are two key fundamental economic policies you need to know about. Think of them like Clark and Dahl. You need both of their independent talents to make everything work. The first is fiscal policy, and to its core, this essentially just involves the government changing its spending levels and or taxation rates to monitor and influence the nation's economy. And generally speaking, if the government decides to increase public spending and decrease taxation, this will serve a purpose to increase economic activity and vice versa. For example, remember when the Australian government decided to deliver an abundance of stimulus packages during the GFC? This is a classic example of what we call expansionary fiscal policy, designed to encourage spending and boost economic activity. The second is monetary policy, through which the central bank, in Australia's case, the Reserve Bank of Australia, and for the US, it's the Federal Reserve, changes the money supply by changing the interest rate. And why do they do this? Well, it's to simply control inflation between a bandwidth of 2 to 3%. So... What does this all mean then? Well, here's the relationship. 
If the RBA decides to decrease interest rates, which it has recently, this will increase the amount of cash floating around the economy. And if you have more cash, you have more money to spend on all that hand sanitizer you've been buying in bulk. And if more and more of you are spending money on hand sanitizer, this will increase its price as there is more demand for it and the product continues to become more scarce. This is also known as applying an upward pressure on inflation. So now that we have all this background information, we can now investigate how monetary and fiscal policy are working together in Australia to fight off COVID-19 like ninjas. Let's start with fiscal policy. A few key announcements have taken place over the month of March. The government rolled out three fiscal stimulus packages designed to boost economic activity, worth 17.6, 66 and $130 billion. That's a lot of money, and where is it all going? To welfare recipients, businesses for wage subsidies and job seeker supplements. So what's this look like for Australia's debt then? Well, for the next six months, the federal government will be paying the equivalent of half the country's total wage bill to prevent over a million workers losing their jobs, and this will be very costly. Before COVID-19 took place, the FY20 budget released in May 2019 was actually set to record a $7.1 billion surplus after a decade of deficits. But unfortunately, with the pandemic unfolding and all the stimulus packages, we may even see Australia's debt increase by a third, reaching roughly $507 billion by the end of June. Now, that's almost 26% of GDP, quite a bit, and that won't be all. There's going to be more debt to come in the next financial year. Quite a few listeners have recently asked me whether all this debt is okay, and shout out to Dylan Hawkey for being the first. So the question is, can we handle it? And I'll answer this for you. It's twofold, really. First, government debt is really likely to be zero. And in the situation we're currently in, higher priority needs to be given to restoring the economy rather than closing public deficits. There is no point trying to save when the role of public spending is to stimulate the economy during these times. And to put things into perspective... The reason why most of you currently have jobs is because the government is paying for half of the nation's wage for the upcoming six months. And while government stimulus packages may seem extreme, they're necessary to mitigate the economic impacts of the recession. Second, fortunately Australia is not heading into this recession in the worst shape. Before COVID-19, we didn't really have high debt, so we're actually in a better place than most to be throwing money around. And yes, interest repayments on this debt will inevitably grow as the debt increases, but the interest rate is actually quite low currently, so it does soften the blow. You may be wondering where all this money is coming from, because let's be honest, the fiscal stimulus packages are pretty huge. The short answer is the RBA is printing money, but more on that later. Here is the simple theory behind it. The federal government has a commitment over the long run to balance incoming money from tax collections with outgoing spending on welfare. So after this recession is over, we may see tax rates such as the GST, for example, to increase to compensate for excessive public spending currently taking place. On the flip side, though, when the government raises more revenue than it spends in a year, for example, when we had the mining boom, the budget is said to be in a surplus – 
and these surplus funds can then be used to pay down any existing debt in the future. Now, let's turn to the RBA. What are they doing? Well, on top of cutting interest rates, the RBA has also implemented something called unconventional monetary policy. This basically just means anything to expand or contract the economy other than changing interest rates. And in this case, the tool used is called quantitative easing, or QE. The rationale behind QE is to avoid dropping interest rates below zero. And the pandemic will likely persist for longer than just a few months, meaning that the economy will just continue to slow down. So it looks like the RBA are taking alternative measures in advance before we get to that point. So the golden question is, what on earth is QE? Well, put simply, it's, it's popularly referred to as printing money. And for listeners who've asked me quite a few questions about this, you know who you are, I'm going to provide you with some clarity. The best way to think about QE is the RBA spends huge quantities of cash it's created or printed to ease monetary policy. And when I refer to easing monetary policy, I mean boosting the economy. Put simply, the RBA uses this printed money to buy a truckload of government bonds because they are a low-risk investment in order to increase money supply, apply downward pressure on interest rates and encourage lending and investment. So with the RBA set to buy billions of dollars worth of government bonds, the government is given a lot more cash to spend and this extra money is flushed through the economy. So what do people do? They spend this cash, which is designed to boost the economy. Essentially, QE should have the same effect on rates as a rate cut would, but the RBA was all out of rope on rate cuts and had to turn to QE. And if we also think about this from a personal investing perspective, the RBA wouldn't want to drop interest rates to zero, as we've had self-funded retirees, for example, who are relying on their investment returns as a means of living, or there are people who have money invested in term deposits who are not earning great returns so they're forced to dip into their savings instead. With all this theory you now have under your belt, let's jump out of the textbook and into real life. The RBA commenced its QE program in March, and it also cut interest rates to a record low of 0.25%. It's actually the first time ever the RBA has cut rates twice a month or implemented quantitative easing. The RBA also announced it would provide lenders with funding of at least $90 billion dollars, if they increase funding to small and medium-sized businesses in an effort to keep this sector afloat through the pandemic. In summary, if there's anything you want to take away from this, you now know that there are two key policies, fiscal and monetary policy, or two key people, Clark and Dorr, however you like to think of it, that are working hand-in-hand at the moment to help Australia fight the effect caused by the coronavirus. Although, no matter how hard Clark and Dorr try, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, the Australian economy will record its first recession since 1991, where unemployment could reach a new post-World War II high of 12% by mid-year. But we'll chat more about this in episodes to come. So to soften the blow on the back of all this chat about recessions and pandemics, I'll wrap up and end on a quote I promised I'd share. And this one actually has a mini story behind it, because... I do enjoy a good story, but warning, it has nothing to do with economics at all. So one day I dropped my phone and smashed my screen. As you do, I was careless. And I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to head into the Apple store and 
I'll just put an A game on and surely I can get this screen replaced for free. So I walked in and waited for the man to, to come and help me and this guy came walking on by and he had a gorgeous afro. I'm like obsessed with afros. Gorgeous afro, great smile and I thought, oh, this guy looks really nice. Hopefully I can get this screen replaced. And he looked up at me and said, that will be $250, please. <laughs> Was not impressed, not happy, but fair enough. Look, I didn't really have any insurance on the phone either. So I walked out, convinced that obviously my, my charm wasn't enough. And fast forward a year later, I got invited to a house party. Love a good house party. Feel they don't happen enough these days. And even if they do, people somehow have pressing commitments at 6am on a Sunday the following day, um, causing them to like leave at 11pm the previous night. Don't ask me why. But I turned up with quite a few drinks in my system. I had a few glasses of whiskey. Okay, I'm actually not that classy. I had I had some passion pop and it was warm. It was not great. I turned up and the same man who charged me $250 was there. And I thought, surely, is that him? And I looked over and something crossed my mind and I thought, I'm going to approach him about this. Ridiculously confrontational and unnecessary, but I did. And I went up and I said, you, you're the one that charged me $250, right? And he was like, uh, yeah, of course, like, yeah, that was me, but I don't work there anymore. And also it's my job. Okay, fair enough. Not sure what I was thinking, but long story short, we actually had a really good chat and he asked me how my 2019 was. And I responded with, well, actually it was my worst year to date. Okay, quite deep and hard hitting, I know, but it was the truth and I, I won't go into that now. But he responded with, well, was it something that you had to move past or something that had to move past you? And it was at that point where I whipped out my notebook and I said, excuse me, mate, I need to just write this down. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, just trust me, I just need to write this down. Just, just stop talking for a second. Really embarrassing. I whipped out a book at a party. I would not recommend doing this and writing down what someone has said. Not cool. But this phrase really stuck with me because it effortlessly breaks down what you can control and what you can't control. And using this pandemic as an example, this is something that needs to come and needs to move past you. You can't move past it yourself. But what you can do is think about what is actually in your control and channel your energies into something positive instead. So for anyone who struggles in the absence of control and future uncertainty, this is definitely something for you to think about. And the other bottom line is you never really know who will enter your life and provide you with such introspective thought. I'll leave you on that. You're listening to The Shady Economist, making economics accessible to everyone. Please follow me on Instagram at The Shady Economist. And as I've said before, if there are any topics you'd like me to discuss in the future or in episodes, please feel free to let me know. Or if you want some clarity behind any topics or any theory, just send me a message and I'm happy to address them in there. I look forward to listening in on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you.